Hi, I'm Marilyn Dennis, and this is Marilyn Dennis Does a Podcast. This episode, I'll be speaking with one of the most recognizable voices in music, Grammy and Tony-nominated singer, songwriter, and actor, Josh Groban. Having just released his brand new album, Harmony, we're going to talk with Josh about how this collection of timeless songs came to be, including classic hits like The Impossible Dream, Angels, I Can't Make You Love Me, Both Sides Now, and so many more. We'll also talk with Josh about the creative ways he's filled the live performance void, including his fan favorite, Shower Songs. With such an illustrious career, this conversation could go anywhere. So let's get started and talk with the wonderful Josh Groban. You know what? We're so happy to have you on the show. Last time we saw you was 2018. There's a Thanksgiving special. You had your album, Bridges. Life has changed quite a bit. We're going to talk about that That's for sure. Right. Yeah, it's uh, you know, it's been it's been such a crazy crazy year, and we're all adjusting and and having to deal with the 180s that come with it. And uh, but it's nice to talk to you virtually. Can't wait to see you in person again. Yeah. Well, this thank you for saying that because I'm saying I'm really feeling with this lockdown for me personally on this format is I get to talk to people more in a more relaxed kind of setting. And I, I kind of enjoy that. It's like an intimate conversation. And, and uh, you know, that's special to me. I love that. You started your residency yeah. at Radio City Music Hall. You're recording music for this new album, Harmony, at the time, right? So this is before the pandemic. So how did you get it pulled all together? Yeah, I mean, we were, I mean, like everybody, especially in entertainment, we had some really big plans, some a lot of fun things uh, set up to go. And, uh, you know, the Radio City residency was was something and, and will continue to be. We've got the dates moved now, but, um, you know, we'll see when we can come back safely. But they gave me the venue to do whatever I wanted with, which was which was so wow. brave of them because, uh, you know, I've done lots of different things in the course of my career. I've done, you know, concerts and then I've, I've you know, hosted a bit and done some some movies and stuff. So to have a to have a, a chance to use utilize the stage and really craft a show that we wanted to make every month. It was unlike anything else kind of varietal. Uh, it was really exciting. So we'll, we'll come back and we'll do that. In the meantime, I, I agree with you about the virtual and the intimacy of it. I didn't know what to expect when I was asked to do virtual concerts because so much of what we do relies on the back and forth of an audience and, and how they're feeling and how you're doing. Um, but we've been able to reach even more people that way. And we've been able to see mm-hmm. afterwards uh, on social media and whatnot, families gathered around and zooming all around the world. And, and the, the, the fact that everybody needs to connect. And even though it's an imperfect situation, we're all trying to do the best we can to connect with each other, that we can still have these conversations that we can still get in front of a microphone and sing our faces off. Mm-hmm. It's, it's something that we're, I think, realizing now more than ever how much we crave in our lives and, and really need. It's in our lifeblood to have that in our in our lives. And and that that gives me hope when there's so much noise and so much division um, that, mm-hmm. you know, of course, when this all comes back, it will be a celebration unlike anything we've ever seen. I agree with you. And I, I will tell you uh, on a personal note, um, I love going to concerts. I love going out for dinner. I love that um, feeling of someplace to go to get out of the routine. And I think everybody, not only the people in the audience watching you, but anybody that is performing will just appreciate the whole experience so much more. I, you know, it'll be a, 
it'll be a, a, a reunion. You know, it's, it's, I yeah. think that, yeah. you know, the live business has suffered so much. Uh, I, you know, one of the other reasons we wanted to do these live streams was just because it puts so many people in my universe, you know, into a situation where we're, we're all working and what we are doing, what we love to do, right. including myself. So we're, you know, it's, it's, mm. it's an ecosystem that, that, you know, needs to breathe life again. And it's not just the venues and the performers mm -hmm. and the bands and the crew. It's the businesses around the venues. It's, it's everything. So, you know, beyond the fact that we can't wait to feel that buzz again, and we can't wait to have that in-person energy that you can't duplicate anywhere else. Um, the arts have mm -hmm. never been seen to be more important than they are right now. The arts in our world, you can see how everything, our humanity, our economy, everything tumbles when the arts go. And it's a, it's a good reminder that, yeah. um, that it's always important to, to fund them and fund them in our schools for our young kids. Boy, I agree with you 100% because you're not looking at an athlete here, Josh Grove. And I know what you're thinking you're looking at an athlete, but if I didn't have arts in school, I don't know where you I'd You think be. you're looking at <laughs> There's a reason I even get to sit here and talk to you and why I still don't have a wedgie pulled up over my head. Um, I, yeah, I mean, for those of us that, you know, I, I, I wasn't even good at flag football. I wasn't even good not being tackled. Um, you know, I, I, it was a lifesaver for me. You know, you had a shy introverted yeah. kid that knew there was a light bulb in there, but just didn't have anything around me. I had the most, I have the most incredible supportive parents. So I was one of the lucky ones. I got to go to theater camp, and yeah. go to schools that had that, but there are so right. many countless kids mm -hmm. uh, in, in my country and yours around the world that, that don't get those opportunities. Right. So yeah, we, we need that. Otherwise there'd be no, there'd be no Marilyn and Josh. We need, we need that. You've got we it. We need you. We got, we need that. We're, <laughs> We we need you and I, I, we we need each other. I got to talk to you about this album, Harmony. First of all, you're picking some classic songs. One is Kenny Loggins' right. "Please Celebrate Me Home." Can I tell you when I was looking over this album and I said, "OMG, you picked one of the most beautiful songs." That's not played very oh. often, and you're putting your voice yeah. to it. 1977, Kenny Loggins' first solo album, that's right. and that is on the album. And so, tell tell me how you yeah. how you discovered it. Sure, um, I, I love this song, and I, I love the fact that it's a little bit off the beaten track. I say that, however, I can't tell you how many people have told me the exact same thing you just told me, which is that this is my favorite Kenny Loggins song. This is I can't believe you're singing this song. You know, sometimes you think you're finding um, a gem, and it was a, a you know pretty big song for him too. But um, yeah, yeah. But that's that's the joy in sometimes rediscovering and um, and as a singer, the best thing you can do to honor a song is to you know honor the original and also try and breathe your own instincts and life into it as well. Mm -hmm. And and. Um, and right, you know, and choosing the songs to answer your question was an interesting process because half the songs we recorded before lockdown. And then of course, mm -hmm. all that sound turns to silence and you have a lot of hindsight and you're sitting back and you're wondering if you're even going to be able to record the rest at all ever. And, uh, and that, that gives you a lot of new, new stuff in your tank. And so as you're curating and choosing going forward, certain songs that you had known about previously, all of a sudden a new meaning kind of sparks in it and then also songs that you weren't ever expecting to go for or even write um start to bubble up as well and you know in that creative process you have to go with that flow otherwise it will bog you down so songs like celebrate me home whereas i always knew it was a, a beautiful and uplifting 
song that also felt kind of right for the holidays. And I love Kenny and his writing. Yes. All of a sudden, the idea that mm. there are so many people, including myself, who will not be able to be celebrated home during the holidays, uh, and we're going to be celebrating virtually, um, you know, and I talk about that, that happy reunion one day that we all get to have, whether it's in our mm -hmm. jobs and our live performance and our families and friends. To me, thinking forward to that moment is what the spirit of Celebrate Me Home feels like to me right now. And, and the, the vibe of that song is, is what I want us all to feel when we all return to that semblance of normalcy. I will tell you, when you get back up on that stage, I don't know what, what, uh, what your song list is going to be in what order, but that is so appropriate to the reunion with your audience. It's just magical. So good it'll, choice on that. It'll be in there. It'll, it'll have, it'll have to be in there. There's a lot of, actually, there's a lot of songs on this album that, that hit that note for me, so to speak. And, and we'll, we'll definitely be carrying with me through the rest of my career. I'm sure of it. She, which I associate with Notting Hill and Elvis Costello, how <laughs> I know, did you yes. <laughs> come upon that song? I love that song. I love, I love that song, but I love how you do it too. So tell us how you came about finding that particular song. Very beautiful, very romantic song. Um, some songs we sang, I sang for the first time when recording this album and some songs I kind of got into my bones a little more and, and wanted to tour a little while. So she, um, and I, I first heard the Charles Aznavour version, of course. He's the, the original yes. writer of the song, and, and it has got that so, such a French melody, and it's just so, so rom romantique, and I, I, I love it very much. Let's talk about some other songs on this album. Um, the Impossible Dream. Wow, that's just a classic. Yeah, and I did a musical theater album already, but I, yeah. you know, so, so that, was, that was a song that we were thinking of doing on that album and I'm so glad we waited because you know that that was a song that I knew vocally I could really um I could really it was really in my wheelhouse uh you know it's a song with a with a with a, a big history I mean it's it has been sung by so many people um it's mm. got the timestamp of of that musical and that story and and uh and but I was hesitant you know because it was so down the middle for me as a vocal song, um, you know, big baritone musical theater kind of thing. I'm thinking, is there anything I can do? Is there anything that feels, I always get in my own way with this stuff. And I think, yeah, but what can we do that's, that's different? Because there's already been the big baritones that have sung it forever. I've, 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 yeah. I've worshiped every single one of them. And, but again, it's another perfect example of a time when all of a sudden, when we're getting back to the microphone after being in lockdown for five months, and you start really looking at that lyric and you start thinking about, you know, where we are in our health, in our politics, in our division and how literally boxed in we all feel right now. Um, and how brave it is sometimes, especially if you're predisposed to have, you know, the perfect storm of anxiety and dark, you know, there's been, there's been a lot of ups and downs and light and dark for all of us through this process. And so I don't even mean just, just physical boxed in, but I think we all are feeling a little inside ourselves right now and trying to cope with that. And so as, as soon as I got rid of whatever preconceived notions I had about um, the, the, the performing, the performing, it's a to dream, you know, that's, it's always had that kind of, you know, thing. And I started to just Robert, was Robert Goulet into, do that? Did Robert Goulet sing that? Goulet did a version. Yeah. yeah. Lots of, yeah. lots of, yeah. lots of singers have done that song and, and made, you know, mm -hmm. hits out of it. And I think because yeah. when, whenever a song is taken outside of the show 
and it, it's become radio hits in certain eras, it breathes a whole life yeah. of its own. And sometimes when that happens, um, the fame of the song gets higher, but but the real message of the song starts to get lost a little bit. And so in in returning to the real message of those lyrics and and in relating them to today's times, that's always an amazing thing when you can find something from the '60s or or even before. Um, you know, when you sing mm-hmm. these classic songs that are that are 40, 50, 60 years old, um, and they have extraordinary relevance to to today and what we're all trying to feel like we need to do to fight the unbeatable foe and to and to dare to move forward where the where the brave dare not go. I mean, it's it's um, it became more than just kind of a trite inspirational thing. It, singing it, I really was so amazed and sometimes that happens you'll sing a few notes you'll sing a few few lines and you say to yourself my god like this is this is really right and um and so then everything just you know flies out and it's just you just go for it and and i left every every ounce of of voice and energy i had in that song on the on the recording room floor that day oh that's so cool i we all love these stories josh about how it people like you with this incredible voice, how they pick the song list, what these songs mean to them, uh, the order of what the songs are, are, are put in. And then we think of, you know, some songs that we haven't heard on the radio for a long time, which you have included on this list, like Both Sides Now. What a classic. How did you come upon that one? Yeah. Um, well, my my uh, illustrious duet partner, Sarah Bareilles, uh, and I both... Um, absolutely um idolize uh the great canadian joni mitchell and uh we we love that song i think that's that's a song that's in the category of kind of you need to have some life before you sing it i i I wanted to sing that song since i was 15 years old but i i didn't i didn't feel i'd earned the 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 hours to to sing that song and Mm -hmm. and a lot of young people. A lot of young people are earning their hours in warp speed right now because of mm-hmm. everything that's going on and and the confusion and and the perspective. It's really a song about perspective, and it's a song about you know um, trying to find balance and understanding of things that sometimes might seem superfluous in the moment, but you realize had a deeper meaning mm-hmm. or a deeper lesson in, in your life. And that's why my ver- my favorite version of that song is actually Joni's re-singing of it um that she did i think 10 or so years ago where all of a sudden there's um you know her performance is infused with this wisdom that uh is different than the fresh voice and and it can and it it means as much to us then as it does when we sing it later it's it's the kind of song that is continually a soundtrack to what we're going through about that perspective and so as I'm talking with Sarah about, and she had COVID and she was, she's, she got through it. Mm. We've both had friends who've had it. We've had a couple of friends who've gotten very ill or even died from it. And so, you know, we were just talking about like, just, we, we were just checking in, you know, it's like, I think it's important with our friends to just yeah. sometimes just check in. How are we doing? How's your head? Um, and we were talking about music and we were talking about this song and I just, I texted her to just say, I think it's right. I think it's time, you know, and I don't want to do it alone because it's scary. And will you sing this? Will you do this with me? And, um, and she said, yes. And so that was one of the few sessions we were actually able to do, uh, in person because I was in New York at the time she was in New York and, you know, we decided to get testing and she had had it and got over it. And so we, 
we yeah. were actually we got to have two mics two mics in the same space which was an unusual wow. thing for this album usually i'm i'm old school and that's how i want to do everything always but because of the circumstances we had to have a studio in london with string and horns you know six feet apart while the producers in nashville while i'm in you know la it's it took a lot of effort to to do this and so anytime we had a rare moment where we're all in the same zone together um that was that was a very special thing but um that album that song came late in the process and uh it's it's definitely one of my favorite tracks on there well, I'm telling you, you know, about putting in all those hours before you earn the time to sing that song, and this is the right time. You're an old soul. As a kid, you're you you were an old soul, weren't you? <laughs> I uh, I think so. I mean, I, I always felt kind of like ten going on eighty. I, I just I <laughs> I had teachers that would I actually had teachers that would tell me that. And um, maybe because I'm just exhausted all the time. <laughs> I don't know. Like I just uh, <laughs> I've lived, man. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't, I, I mean, I, I've always, I, I don't know. I think, I think musically, uh, I was a, a teenager in the nineties. So I was, you know, I got to grow, grow up with the, like some of the greatest music and greatest rock music. And I was always playing, you know, drums and rock bands. And, you know, I, I, I got to be a kid, but, but I also was, was always so interested in traditional music, classical music, jazz, uh, world music. I just, I was, I was a shy kid. I was just was always kind of sitting in the corner of the playground, like writing down my thoughts and listening to music. And, you know, I was, I was sensitive. So, you know, it was, it was music that allowed me to find myself and find my mojo and, and, uh, and have that self-discovery. And we talk about, we talked about arts education earlier on and, and how lucky we are that yes. it turned into a profession for us you get to be on camera mm -hmm. and I get to be on camera and on mic and, and, and here we are. And thank goodness for those teachers. But it's really, um, that, that thing, that, that thing that turns up the light, uh, doesn't have to lead to a profession. You know, I think that having the arts as a tool to unlock the potential of young people and just give them that mojo that I'm talking about, um, boy, that leads to future world leaders it leads to doctors and lawyers and artists and teachers and mm -hmm. scientists and and everything in between uh my favorite thing is when somebody that i will never expect some big burly or you know he'll come and shake my hand and he'll he'll say just want you to know my arts teacher saved my life and he's like a you know he's like I'm a marine biologist or something now but it's it's right it, it is life-saving it is life-saving and especially now when we've never been more confused and uh we need <laughs> Yeah. to learn more about ourselves in the world in, in those unifying ways more than ever. Right. And I also think to your point, you're talking about your parents, knowing that you were drawn to that sort of thing and children are sponges and music that's played in the house and the uh, ability to go and try out for this and nope, maybe you didn't make it. And then you try it again and, and you, you say, oh, you know, this feels good. Like this feels good. Mm -hmm. What was that first moment when you performed that you said, yeah, this feels good. This is the right <laughs> getting the bug is, you know, you, you you feel it. It's something that you can't deny. Yeah. It's like falling in love. It's just, it's just, it's just like that's it. That's my path. And you know, I I have to give so much credit to, um, you know, my teachers. I had my first lead role in a musical when I was in eleventh grade. That was a big aha moment for me. Is taking that bow and you know, feeling the energy of of telling a story and being able to play a character too was just so well, so invigorating what musical? Me, but i think that the it was finian's rainbow 
I played Woody Mahoney and ah! Finian's Rainbow. Talk about, a, I mean, they had to paint a beard on my face because I couldn't grow one. And, um, you know, and, but it's got, you know, that, that show has it. some great songs. I think there's, you know, there's, you know, uh, uh, it's that old devil moon that you stole from the sky. That classic song is, uh, Oh yeah, it's from it's from Finian's Rainbow. You know, it's all, so many of the standards from Love that time it. came from came from the musicals. But but when I was in seventh grade, a teacher pulled me out of the back of a choir. I was shy, and I was I've told this story a lot on stage, but it's it's worth repeating because it it changed my life. You know, he heard something in me. He knew I was that kid. All great teachers do. They have that instinct. They just know I got to take this kid out of his shell. Mm. And it was an assignment, which was important because I would not have done it myself. Uh, he said, I'm going to, I'm going to give you a song. It's a Gershwin song. It was wonderful. And he had me sing it at some cabaret night, you know, where I thought, oh man, I'm dead. This is going to be it. This is, this is going to be the end of my school life. I hardly had one, but this is going to be it. And I went out there and I was shaking and I invited my parents. They'd never heard me sing before. And um, <clears throat> singing that song, feeling like I was in the pocket of that song in control and then getting the response afterwards from a body of students. So it could have gone either way. Kids can be very cruel. Um, this is not oh, like a, an right. audience of supporters. Kids can decide, we're going to make this kid's life hell. And, uh, and they gave me, it was like the, it was like the end of uh, Napoleon Dynamite's dance. You know, if anybody knows that scene where he's just doing the craziest, <laughs> weirdest dances ever. And then all of a sudden, everybody's just, you know, slow clap to a standing ovation. That's kind of how it felt. And my parents were just like, oh my God, we had no idea. And I don't know, it just, I felt different the next day at school. I felt like I held my head a little higher and I felt like this singing thing, this music thing, I think I'm going to start singing more solos and I'm going to start singing them in public. And, uh, and it, it, it was the domino effect to feel like the most well-rounded person that I could be. Yeah. And it's so amazing because uh, you found your voice both on stage and, and in your in your head, which is so important and lucky at yeah. that early age because some kids don't to get that. Let us go to the time that you were 16, David Foster, Celine Dion. Tell everybody that that is one of my favorite stories yeah. and you're going to have to tell it again. I don't <laughs> I know you're probably tired of it, but I want people to know about well, this story. You know, and I think about it because I mentioned the other story about being in seventh grade. And then I was discovered by David and had one of my other scariest moments on stage with Celine at the Grammys uh, at 16. So, you know, at the time, you feel like you're growing a mile a minute. You know, we all feel like we're all little adults and everything. You know, but you look back at it and you think, I think to myself, well, from that 13 or 14-year-old kid to 16-year-old kid on stage with Celine, there, there was not a lot of life in between those two moments. And, uh, and so talk about having to get shot out of a cannon. Um, nowadays, you've got TikTok and you've got YouTube and you've got all these kids who are like 17 going on 30 with their performance style. And they've got the dance moves, you know, all perfectly choreographed. And they've got songs and harmonies and riffs and things that it feels like they've been rehearsing since they were five years old. I was not that kid. You know, mm -hmm. I, was, I was 16, 17 going on. I was still stunted, you know, in inside as far as that confidence goes. So um, David Foster heard me sing at another event. He asked through a voice teacher who some singers were that would be good. Um, somebody I lived down the street from. And I uh, sent in a tape. He liked it. He had me sing for the governor of California. And then two weeks later, he said, hey, I'm at the Grammys. I'm with Celine Dion. 
And uh, Andrea Bocelli, he's stuck on a flight. I need you to come and sing with Celine until he gets here. And it was a song called The Prayer. And I yes. had not heard the song. So I, I looked it up and he faxed me over. This was a long time ago. Faxed me over the lyric. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, I remember thinking to myself, okay, well, here I am listening to, you know, John Raitt and Brian Stokes Mitchell and Mel Torme and the great, you know, lower voiced singers. And I'm here, I'm hearing Andrea Bocelli, who's got one of the purest tenor, you know, high pingy tenor voices of all time. And I'm thinking, I'm not sure I have pants tight enough to sing this for you, David. Um, <laughs> and I, I unfortunately think I just have to pass, but thank you very much. I got homework to do and love you and take care. You're so, you're so blissfully ignorant at that, at that age. You know, I did not have stars in my yes. eyes. I was not thinking, here's your chance. Here's the door. Walk through it. You're going to be a star. I was like, I really need extra time to do this math work. And uh, this song is not my wheelhouse. It's not my range. I just, I wasn't thinking about that. I was thinking about, I wanted to be an actor. I wanted to be in, in theater. And, and so he calls back and says, I'm not asking you. I'm telling you, get your, get your buns over here. See it three. And uh, I think he was probably like, you know, looking at his reflection in his 16 Grammys going, did this kid really turn me down? <laughs> did, this, did this pipsqueak really say no? Uh, and so I went there, you know, I'm trying to convince the, the bodyguard outside of the Shrine Auditorium that, you know, I'm here to sing with Celine Dion. Yeah, right. And, um, and you know, she, of course, as legend goes, you know, it was just, it was such a magical moment. She was so kind and, and, you know, it was a lesson for me too, to, sometimes say yes and then figure it out because the only thing that kept me from mm -hmm. singing that song great was belief in myself. I went out and I crushed it with her. Mm -hmm. It was just, I, I didn't, I wasn't, you know, I'd set boundaries for myself at that age. And I think that one of the most amazing things that I learned through the life-changing mentorship of David Foster is just how much, and I think every one of his artists that he's worked with, he's been able to give this to them and give them that boost. Um, and it comes through a lot of hard work. It doesn't come easy. He does not, he'll open the door, but he'll make you crawl through mud to get yeah. through it. And I think that's a great, yes. um, that's a great way to do it because every one of us, whether it's me or Celine or Buble or anybody who's had the David Foster, you know, boot camp, um, we're better for it. It was an extraordinary opportunity, but if it wasn't for his push, I think for all of us, uh, maybe we wouldn't have all known what our ceiling was, you know? And so, right. you know, to this day, there've been so many full circle moments with that. I got to, I got to, you know, sing with Celine in Hyde Park, uh, you know, a couple uh, of years ago in London, I got to sing with Andrea Bocelli. We sang the prayer together at the Grammys uh, in honor of Luciano Pavarotti. And, you know, just looking out and, and being next to him and singing that song on a stage that I was the rehearsal singer, you know, 15 years prior, 10 mm -hmm. years prior, whenever it was, you know, these are the moments, I think everybody in music who's had a big break, we all have those moments where everything else is moving so fast, but then there's those few spots of time where you look back at your younger self, you look back at something that's so connective to a story or something that has meant a lot to you. And you just take those extra small pictures in your head to just say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to hang on to this one. If you were to go back in time, this is kind of a therapeutic uh, question. Who hasn't been to yeah. therapy? Uh, sure. And you go back in time, and if you could say something to your younger self, I love that question. Um, yeah. It's almost kind of 
good that you didn't know what was happening, but at the same time, is, yeah. what would you have said to yourself? What would you have said to if yourself? I could, to if, yeah, if I could tell my younger self, uh, without without giving my younger self too much info about what's about to happen, because then I would have been intolerable. I don't I didn't want. I think it was actually really good that <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. that I had I had I had um, uh, a healthy anxiety, I think, and also had the humility of of um, really kind of not knowing, you know. And and for any young person that I talk to, it's really it's just about be nice to people, keep your head down, learn everything you possibly yeah. can. And, um, and you never know what can happen. Good things happen. But, um, but for me, for that young kid, I would, I would say, I would say though, to that, to, to the young kid, especially the young kid just starting in the business, um, take more of those moments to take it in and be kinder to yourself. Because I was so wrapped up in the pressure of all of a sudden, everything that I had to, to, to knock down and, and, and accomplish the um, the inability to fail, you know, I, I missed out on a huge portion of my college life, where I would have had a chance to pick myself back up, to learn from it, to shake myself off, and I think having to start in this business, um, singing very heady music um, for kind of an audience that that wasn't coming for pyrotechnics or backup dancers, they were coming for my voice, and so there's a lot of pressure, mm -hmm. and so I let that pressure get to me, and I would go back and tell younger me to. Um, not to ignore that pressure or to be any less perfectionist, but when the celebrations did happen, when the good news would come in, I usually brushed it off pretty quickly because the anxiety would take over. I would say, I, oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, that's great, that's great. But anyway, what's the next thing I have to do? Mm -hmm. And um, and so mm -hmm. I would just, you know, say, try and, try and be kinder to yourself. I, I beat myself up a lot in those early years. Um, I was really very, very harsh on myself. I'm still my own worst critic, but I, I was, was particularly hard on myself during that first part of my career. And, um, so I would just say, you know, try to enjoy it. was hard work. I look back now and I say, wow, you really, you really were stronger than you thought. And you did a lot more than you thought you were doing in the, in the moment. And, um, so, uh, yeah. Yeah. Now that's looking back. Now, looking forward, when do you think that you'll be back on the stage again before we hear one of your great songs from Harmony? Well, um, we're following, you know, the recommendations of those that we trust to, 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 to give us real science and real information. Um, you know, I think I have a responsibility uh, not just to give my fans the best possible show, but also mm -hmm. to protect them and to make sure that if they're coming into our house, that we're looking after them, you know, and when we've postponed shows and talk about the division in this country, there've been fans who've said, thank you for looking after us. There've been fans saying, you know, Oh, get over yourselves. It's fine. We'll just go wear a mask. I'm thinking, you know, I can't live with myself if somebody in my show gets sick because of me or then passes it on to somebody who gets very sick because of the tracing back to one of my shows. Um, and that's a responsibility that I and every other performer out there, we hold really dear. Of course, we want to get back. Everybody. I, I, wanna, I want, um, as I said, the whole business to return. I want my band and crew to, to be out doing what they love. I want um, to connect with my fans in those in-person ways. It's, it's my favorite thing that I do in my life. And so it's heartbreaking not to be able to do it. Um, and the live streams have been really fun. And, and so many people have been coming in and we'll, we'll continue to do those as long as, as, long as we can. Um, but, uh, but when, when it comes back, um, 
we'll see. I think this is going to be a bit of a marathon. And uh, I mm-hmm. think it's, I think it's a wait and see. I don't have the answers. And, and, but, but I think it's yeah. important that we, we put our trust in the people that have more actual information than we do, not just um, bluster, but, but real facts. And uh, because we, we owe it to ourselves. We want to get back. We want to do the hard things so that we can do the mm-hmm. fun thing. And um, that's what I'm looking forward to mm-hmm. doing. I so agree with you on that one. Josh, where do people follow you? Where can they follow you to see shower songs and see what's <laughs> happening in your world? They can get tickets to the, to the uh, live stream concerts at uh, joshgroben.com. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, they can, they can stream songs as they come out and, and uh, stream the album wherever they buy or, or stream music. So, yeah, follow me on social media. I don't I'm bad at this. I, I, I I feel like I feel like even news that's anchors okay. now you are don't like, have to be. that's the news. The world is ending. Make sure you follow my Twitter account. I'm like, no, you don't need to. You don't need to do that. You don't need to do that. Just tell me just the news. Just look up Josh Groban. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I feel like I feel like I just you know at some point a carrier pigeon will drop my album on your lap, and that's that's how I believe the music industry works. Uh, and uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, Google me. That's all I'll say. Well, Google gotta- me. Okay, we'll Google you. Hey, Josh, I got to tell you, you're one of my favorite people to talk to. I, I, you are authentically I you, you so and you're much. such a talented guy. Uh, back, back at you. Uh, thank you so much for being with us today. The new album is Harmony. It's out now. Thank you. Marilyn Dennis does a podcast. New episodes every week. You can download or subscribe on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.